Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. Thanks, babe. He beat me to it. I wanted to wear that shirt, but he beat me to it. But how's everybody doing today? Have you been enjoying the Heart Check series? Well, I'm excited actually to close it up. Um, and I just think it's a perfect message for us as we go into this next season. Um, you know, when we think about sermon series that we present to you, oftentimes we are thinking about this a year out, a year in advance. And so I know that the sermon series is called Heart Check, a surrender series. But when we were marking off what we were going to do this year, this season we wanted to have a worship series. But we didn't want to just call it a worship series because worship can sometimes be skewed as something that we do for 20 minutes on a Sunday morning. And I said this in the first message of the series that we are not worshipers who are just singers. We're worshipers in our hearts first. And the fruit of our lips is what's happening in our hearts. And so as I was thinking about closing this series up, I wanted us to bring us back to this idea of worship. What is worship? You know, there's a few words in Greek and Hebrew that really point to things like worth. Proskuneo is this idea that you're on your knees and you're face down and prostrate before whatever you're worshiping. And worship is about what you're ascribing worth to, right? And so the, the fact of the matter is we're always worshiping something. You know, we always, whether we think that we're worshiping something or not, whether we think that we only worship God, we worship a lot of things. And so the question that we need to ask this morning isn't necessarily what worship is, but it's what do we mean by worship, Worship comes from the word worth, but worship is also a lot to do with value. Value. You heard it said by Pastor Caleb even a second ago that you are $6 million people, right? Are you excited about that? Now, that's great that we understand that we're a child of God, and it's great that we understand that we're worthy, but the, the problem that we see the world taking this worth of our individual selves what, what, they're, what they're doing with that truth is that they're distorting it and making that something that they worship instead of God. And so we have to understand that, yes, we have value, but we need to be careful to, as to how much worth we're ascribing these things that we're worshiping. You know, you are born to be a worshiper. God created you to worship. God created you to worship. Why? Because he created you to love, because he's a loving father, and he's a loving creator, and a creator that desires to be worshiped. We value things because we love them. Think about the things that you love in your life. What do you love? What do you value? When you love something, you sacrifice for what you love, right? Think about it, Caleb and I, we sacrifice for our kids because we love them. We sacrifice for our job because we love our job. We sacrifice for our friends. We sacrifice for our education. We sacrifice 
for a lot of things. We sacrifice, hopefully, a lot of things for God in the name of God, right? But it's not necessarily about what you're worshiping. It's how you worship. When our worship becomes disordered, we commit the sin of idolatry. First commandment of all Ten Commandments is you shall not create any other gods before me. You shall not worship any other idols. It's a very important thing, and we have to understand if we break this commandment, we're sinning against God. And so we have to understand that worship is not just about what we're worshiping. We're always worshiping something, but how are we worshiping and what are we ordering in our lives? What values are you ordering? The things that you value will reveal, the things that you're sacrificing for will reveal what you're actually worshiping. I read this on social media this week, a quote on Instagram, and it said, if, and it's so ironic that I found this on Instagram, but if social media is your idol, then time is your sacrifice. How many people spend just way too much time scrolling? Way, way, way too much scrolling. Another thing that kind of triggered me, like it got me real good, was like, if you, you know, here's how to know you're procrastinating. And it said, you're reading this. I go, oh, crap. You know, oh, excuse me. You know, that's all right. Poop. <laughs> so, yes, you can love your husband. Yes, you can love social media. Yes, you can love your friends. Yes, you can love your kids. But if you are not ordered in your priorities of what you love, then your life becomes disordered. The truth is that all immorality is idolatry. If we worship them something, we end up obeying it. St. Augustine says this, the essence of sin is disordered love. Our lives become disordered when our worship is disordered. So the key to prioritizing our heart worship so that we can prioritize our lives is praise. If you want to prioritize your life, if you don't want to fall into idolatry, if you want to worship God first and foremost, if you want him to be the priority of your life, then you are going to prioritize praise. Somebody say praise. praise. Today we're talking about praise. And sometimes we think that we go into a time of praise and worship and we think it's the same thing. But worship without praise oftentimes turns into idolatry. And then we start, if we're not praising God for who he is and we're just going to church because we're worshiping him, then we're prioritizing a checklist. We're prioritizing an action outwardly and not prioritizing what's actually happening in our hearts. We want to do what David did. We want to be a, a worshiper who worships in our hearts before anything outward comes. And, and that's really where I want to focus. Hebrews 13 and I'm just going to go to verse 15 and 16. It says this, Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Somebody say sacrifice. Our worship oftentimes sacrifices. Worship is a sacrifice. And if we want to prioritize praise, we're going to see our lives of worship as a sacrifice of praise. We need to have a sacrifice of praise. 
again, David was a quintessential worshiper that we model our hearts after, that we try to model our hearts after because we all want to have a heart after God, right? And so I want you to turn to Psalm 18, which is probably the fourth, it's not probably, it is the fourth longest psalm in all the scriptures. So I'm not going to read the whole thing. But what's interesting about this psalm is that it was written by David in the beginning of you know, him coming onto the scene where he was anointed, when Saul started chasing him, and he was, his life was threatened, and it kind of follows him, that, that whole psalm kind of talks about um, him becoming king, and all the adversity that he faced to become king, and, and pretty much he, this, this, this psalm is just talking about how God had delivered him in the earlier times of his life, Right? But then we see in 2 Samuel 22 that this whole psalm is recorded again. And this is at the end of David's life. The end of his life when he's, um, this is the end of his reign. And this and during the Absalom years. And so here we see that, that, that David is a worshiper at the beginning of his life and at the very end of his life. And he's uttering nothing but praise to God. Think about everything that David's been through in his life. Think about his, you know, his elevation to becoming king. And think about all the moments of downfall, murdering and committing adultery and, and just messing up. But then these moments of great victories and wars, he's when his life was up and down, mountaintops and valleys. And I think you can all think about the mountaintops and valleys of your life. And I want you to ask yourself, have you been the worshiper that David was, that no matter where you were in your life, you were still saying, and on your lips were praises to God? I think we need to be challenged this morning that no matter what we're experiencing, we must praise. Our lips must utter his name. We must offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of the lips that acknowledge the one and only true God who sustains us through the mountaintops and valleys. A sacrifice of praise. This psalm is so important for us to remember that if we're going to be and have a heart of worship, we're going to praise we're going to praise. We're going to give God gratitude. We're going to sing a song again. You know, sometimes we come into church and we're like, it's cool. I'm in the presence. Everyone around me singing. I don't have to, like, say anything. You know, I can, I can walk around my workplace and I know that I'm a Christian and I can affect the atmosphere by just doing good things. But I never really have to say anything. You know what? I think we're walking very close to the idolatry of comfort. And when comfort becomes our idol, then God is no longer on the throne of our hearts. So we have to get to a place where we're saying, I'm going to give a sacrifice of praise, and I'm going to share with others what God has done in my life, what he will do and what he can do so that others can hear about him. But if we are not offering up a sacrifice of praise with our song and with our words, and if we're not sharing the goodness of God, then we are not living a life of worship. If the fruit of our lips never utter his goodness, then some will never taste and see that he is good. 
So a heart of worship that praises. Number one, let's take it from David, places all power on the right person. It's so important for us to have a heart of worship that praises so that other people can know him. And when we do have a heart of worship that praises, we, number one, place all power on the right person. You see, when we read this psalm, Psalm 18, we understand that David was in a lot of trouble. He was in a lot of adversity. He was in a lot of pain. He was in a lot of fear. But he, he declares to God that he is good. He says this, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be praised. His worship was a sacrifice of praise. No matter what he was doing, no matter what kind of adversity he was facing, he says, Lord, you are worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. I don't know what you're experiencing today, but you need to know that when you offer up a sacrifice of praise, you will be saved from your enemies. You will be in a safer place. You will be provided for. You will have refuge. This scripture alone shows that David was at the end of himself. He's at the end of himself. And if we want to live a life of praise, we're going to say, I am at the end of myself and I can only do anything because of you, because of all of your power. He doesn't say, I love you, O Lord, and now I'm strong. No, he says, I love you, O Lord, you're my strength. He was saying that he is nothing without the strength of God. He was powerless without the strength of God. Without abiding in him, he was nothing. Are we at that place? where we're so desperate that we're, that we're at the end of ourselves, we can't come up with any more solutions for ourselves. Is our life a sacrifice of praise? So he brings up, God brings up in us sometimes impossible situations where there's no human way out so that he can do the impossible, so that he can be praised in a greater way, so that he can deliver us. David praises God, but listen, not just for his deliverance. I mean, in this first scripture alone, and again, this is the fourth longest psalm. I'm not going to go into all of it. But he's saying that God is his strength, is his rock, is his fortress, is his deliverer, is his God, my strong God, his strength. You know, this word strength is not just like strong and, you know, healthy. It's really this idea that God is his origin. It's just like his source of all energy. It's the source of life. God is his strength. He is his shield. He is his horn. You're like, what do you mean he's his horn? He's his strength. He's his defense. He's his stronghold. And you, if you flip to verse 49, for this I praise you and sing your name. Let's not forget that part. And sing his name. We don't say, you're all these things, you're all these things. Thank you, Jesus. And we just let it all sit and just rest in our hearts. And we have peace now. No, we sing his name. 
if nothing outward comes out of us, if nothing of the fruit of our hearts comes out in words or professing his goodness, then I don't know if we're really allowing God to be all those things in our hearts. A heart of worship that praises places all power on the right person. Let me tell you right now, get to the end of yourself. Get to the end of yourself, and you will see miracles take place in your life. You will see God deliver you from things that you didn't realize you needed to be delivered from. A heart of worship that praises places all power on the right person. Number two, a heart of worship that praises points us to his presence. I love, if, you, if, if you're having a hard time with whatever you're facing, I just encourage you to read Psalm 18, and it's repeated in 2 Samuel 22. The Lord is my rock and my fortress. But I love that, you know, David is talking directly to God. He's telling God who he is. He's repeating to God what God knows he already is. And, he, and he's talking to him like, like I would talk to you thanking you for something that you did for me, right? And oftentimes I just... I'm just afraid in the modern church that we've reduced worship to what happens in these four walls. We've reduced worship to more of a spectatorship where we come to church and we shop for churches based on what the worship's like, what the preacher's like, what the people are like, and not what the presence is like. And so I just want us to be careful that we aren't saying that we're worshipers just because we come to church and just because we listen to the right radio station and just because we listen to the right music. A heart of worship that praises is pointed and points us to his presence. Praise keeps us present to the person of God. When we become aware of a person, we are in presence. I just want you to think about this for a second. There's times when Caleb's out of town, and I know he loves me, but it's different when I'm in his presence and we're in the same room. When someone is not around, we, it's, it's harder to feel them. And, and they're not necessarily doing something for us in that moment, so then we can become out of sight, out of mind. Anybody else? And here's the fact of the matter. God is not here in flesh. Jesus is no longer here with us. And so we have to, we have to long and, and, and seek the presence of God. But a heart that's not truly praising God is not going to come into an encounter with God. You may have an experience, but I'm afraid that experience may turn out to just be entertainment. Go with me for, on this for a little bit. Matthew 6, 1, it says this in the ESV, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by, men, by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. What he's saying is, beware of practicing Christianity by doing all the things that you're supposed to do, listening to right music, coming to church on the right days, going to community group, all these things. And there's, here's what it says in the message. Follow me. Be especially careful when you are trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. 
It might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. Bro. (laughs) That got me good this week. Because, believe it or not, we want to facilitate the presence of God here, but we also want to do it without distraction. And so there's the level of production that happens every week, right? And, and, there, and there's a level of honoring God with our gifts and with what, what happens here on stage. But we can walk dangerously close to presenting an experience and not giving opportunity for an encounter. Worship without praise of the person of God, when we say that we're worshiping him, but it's not really intentional about seeking the person of God, it eliminates the potential for an encounter with him. If your worship doesn't have the goal, if you coming to church, if you going to community group, if, if, if you listening to the right CD or the, I just dated myself, dang it. <laughs> if you listening to the right worship song doesn't have the goal of encountering the presence of God, then our worship may be merely entertainment. A.W. Tozer says this, the church that can't worship must be entertained. Church, can we be a church that worships in spirit and in truth? Can we be a church that always lifts up a sacrifice of praise and does not settle for a great production? Can we get to the point where our heart is so desperate for the presence of God that we are not satisfied with anything else? The problem with entertainment is that it's not reality. Social media, man, I'm not trying to dog on social media and be that person who's always complaining about social media, but social media is a problem sometimes. And and, and I'll just be honest. I have a lot of best friends on social media that don't know me. I mean... The Beebs and I, were super tight. He's loving Jesus now, and so we're, we've gotten a lot closer. His wife, super cute, love her, Haley. Love her clothes, her outfits, and I shopped some of the lines of a lot of bloggers, and we got, I feel closer to them. And it's not that I'm just watching posts. I get to watch them post stories about their lives. I get to have 30 seconds of their life, and I mean, don't you just feel closer when you watch somebody's story? Like, I'm friends with a lot of, like, famous speakers, models, people who live in other countries. Like, we are tight. Or so we think we are. No, I'm serious. Think about the people. There was a moment where there was a a lady. She's, um, her parents are the, I'm I'm not trying to name drop here because that's so lame. But her parents were big pastors. This is a Christian world, right? Big pastors in um, the church. And she came here to the United States, and she was speaking at another church. And some of our friends from the other church asked us to host the speaker. And I felt so awkward because we're meeting for the first time, but I knew everything about our life. <laughs> like, I'm telling you, it's like you're tr- you meet somebody for the first time, even if it's not somebody famous, you meet somebody for the first time that you've been following, and you're like, Dude, I totally know everything. I knew what you were doing 10 minutes before we met. <laughs> and everything just becomes really awkward because in our minds, we, we create a new reality. 
in our minds, we're best friends with all these people that we follow. In our minds, the entertainment that we watch on social media, the movies that we watch, the people, the characters that we fall in love with in different shows that we watch, it is not reality. It's not reality. It's merely entertainment. And sometimes we have reduced our Christianity to entertainment and not encounter with the Holy Spirit. But if we are having hearts of worship that praise him and prioritizes, prioritizes praise, then we're going to be pointed to his presence. We are going to begin to prioritize his presence. On Sunday when you come here, the, for the rest of this, this service, for next Sunday and all the Sundays to come, I just want to challenge you that you wouldn't come here and be like, production team really screwed that one up. Lyrics weren't up by the right time. Oh, lighting. Ooh, the, 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 the transition from the speaker. Can we not be those people who are just looking for there to be a seamless service? But can we come in here with a priority of encountering the presence of God? I'm telling you, I'm not telling that just for you and the, and the congregation. I'm talking about the leadership of this church. Can we not just be about a perfect production? Can we be about the presence of God? Don't, don't get me wrong. We're going to prioritize excellence because that is a sacrifice of praise as well. But his presence has got to be our greatest priority. A heart of worship that praises points us to his presence. Number three, a heart of worship that praises provides perspective for our problems. Provides perspective for our problems. All right, guys. I... Some of you already know this, you read Caleb's social media, but I had a major problem this week, okay? Um, yeah, I had some dental work done recently, okay? Did some dental work, and, uh, and after that dental work happened, I, I had some issues with my jaw. So I came home from work on Tuesday, and I was just kind of trying to exercise my jaw because it feels like something got kind of weird after my dental work. So I'm opening my mouth, and Caleb's actually massaging. There's like even a, like a little scratch here because he was massaging it so much. He's like massaging my jaw and just trying to get it to open a little wider. So I'm like, oh, here, yeah, babe, I think, I think my mouth is opening wider after, you know, a little bit of trauma in that dental, you know, appointment. It's starting to open wider. So I open it wider, wider, and then so wide that I cannot shut it. That's okay. It's really funny, actually. What? A towel. A towel. Because the spit was pooling at the bottom of my mouth, and I was starting to panic because I couldn't spit or swallow. Kind of funny, but really traumatic, okay? And I'm, I can laugh about it now. And so I'm like, and so they throw me a towel, and I'm like, a paper towel. You try to say paper with your mouth open. Go ahead. I, I dare you. You can't do it, can you? So I'm freaking out. It's about five something. And I'm like freaking out. Kanan's getting me a sweet boy. He's just getting me a warm compress because I'm trying to like calm and the, the muscles here and like so I can massage my jaw back into place. But it doesn't work. So Caleb's like, all right, let's go to the ER. And I, 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 
It's okay, you can laugh. It's, uh, I can talk now. He's like, we have to go. Your mouth has been open for an hour. I'm like, okay. So we go to the ER. I'm doing everything I can to unlock it. I'm just moving around. Yeah, you guys are kind of cringing, aren't you? I feel you. I feel you. I feel it in the room. It's very cringy. I'm trying to get it out. And uh, luckily, Caleb was able to come with me to the back to talk to the doctor. But because of COVID, he has to leave. And so I proceeded to be there for the next seven and a half hours. Yeah, I, I, you know, I truly want you to feel sorry for me because <laughs> it was horrible. It was horrible. So for seven and a half hours, I was trying to get my jaw unlocked. Four doctors came and tried to get it unlocked, couldn't. So they sedated me and relaxed all my muscles. And while I was sleeping, they did something, and I can talk again. <laughs> so I had a problem. And there was a moment where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to praise God that, you know, that I'm not dying. I'm going to praise God that, you know, at least now I know what it's like for people who can't have their loved ones in the hospital room. Like, I'm so glad that God has given me all these perspectives. <laughs> and God just was like, that's not the perspective that you need. Those are all great perspectives. And there's moments where it's like, yeah, just think about the things that you can praise God for. Just what are the things that you can be grateful for? What are the other things, what are the other worst-case scenarios in everybody else's life that, that, that you're not having to experience so that you can praise him for it? And he was saying, yes, that's the level of a sacrifice of praise, but that's not praising who I am. And he challenged me in that moment. And he said, what if your jaw wasn't unlocked? What if something worse happened? Would you still praise me then? And so I think the challenge for me, when I even I say that, uh, you know, a heart of worship that praises is provided a perspective for our problems, it's not like a better solution, or it's not this idea, at least it's not this, at least it's not that. No, the perspective that we need to take is that God is in control no matter what. What if the worst happens? God's still on the throne. That's when it's a sacrifice of praise. Here's the thing, it's not a matter of seeing another perspective or even understanding why something is happening to you, even gaining a new perspective of why, because sometimes that just still keeps us in the driver's seat. Do you see see me? That keeps us understanding who we are and how we can maintain control over our lives. But he's wanting us to understand that you don't have control that he sits on the throne. That's the greatest perspective of praise that we should take today. Alicia Bricholi says this, worshiping in the midst of weakness may be among the most powerful weapons we possess on earth. But listen, if the power it is not ascribed to God and God alone, and it's, it's ascribed to us for figuring out how this is better, or at least it's not this or that, then that's not true worship. 
Worship in the midst of weakness may be among the most powerful weapons. Our most powerful weapon is God and God himself, not the way that we can control or manage our pain. A heart of worship that praises provides perspective for our problems, and the perspective is that he's on the throne. He's in control. He's sovereign no matter what. He's still our deliverer. He's still our rock. He's still our strength. He's still our shield. He's still our stronghold. He is who he is. And that's final. You put a period there. And finally, a heart of worship that praises protects us from passivity. Protects us from passivity. You see, today I really wanted us to talk about a sacrifice of praise and what that actually looked like, a sacrifice of praise. If we don't walk and if we don't walk in a manner of worshipful sacrificing of praise, then we walk dangerously close to walking in passivity. Walking in passivity. You're like, well, what does that mean? Does that mean that I have to become outward in my worship now? Does that mean that every Sunday I have to raise my hands? Does that mean that I have to jump up and down? Does that mean that I have to um, sing the loudest? Does that mean like all these outward things, Chrissy? No. The thing about passivity is that when, we're, when we become passive in our worship, it's actually becoming prideful. Sometimes we can become too proud to lead a life of conviction in ways that will make one or myself less liked. Praise, praising God and giving a sacrifice of praise requires energy, time, and thought and intention from us. But when we walk into church, when we live a life where there is no intention and there is no um, sacrifice, then we're just passive worshipers and we're not worshiping God. We're worshiping something else. Remember what I said, worship is always closely related to sacrifice throughout scripture. Even in that scripture of Hebrews that I was reading you, before it got to that point of saying, um, through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. It was after talking about how Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice for us. And we have to, through Jesus, continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. If we're not sacrificing something, then we're passively living for God and worshiping something else. We have an idol that has replaced God as the sovereign God and Lord of our lives. Here's the thing. Every blessing that we receive, that we don't turn into praise, has potential to turn into pride. If we're not praising God for things in our lives, then something's getting credit for it. And I want to sit here and say, like, it's football season. Football is on the throne of a lot of you guys' hearts. And we want to talk about all these things, other things. But oftentimes, even the things that we say are, are on our hearts aren't the things. It really is just us. It really is just us and what, what we want. So we will say, oh, sometimes I put... Um, football or friends or or relationships or social media or food or all these things on the throne of my heart and we say that those are idols but really ultimately the idol is ourself 
It's just us. And when we're walking a passive Christian journey, when we're walking a life that is so passive and is not not apt to singing his praises, that isn't joyful enough to even lift our voices in a room full of other people lifting voices. Like if we are not praising God and telling people about the goodness of God, if we're not sharing who he is, then we're not offering up a sacrifice of praise. We're walking a prideful, passive life. Every blessing we don't turn to praise has potential to turn into pride. And there's very ordinary things that are prideful. 2 Samuel 24, 24, it says this, and I'll close with this. But the king said to Arana, no, but I will buy it for, from you for a price. I will not offer burnt sacrifices to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. You're like, okay, where are we at? Here's what happened. Paul, or excuse me, David is at the end of his end of his life, mostly. Like this is the latter years of his life, and he had just sang the psalm again about Psalm 18: that God, you're my deliverer, you're my fortress, you're my strong tower, you are my stronghold. You're all these things, right? And he comes to a point in his life where he is counting all the people in his his kingdom. He takes a census of all the men in his army. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with taking a census, but he knew in his heart, and God knew that in David's heart, he was taking a census because he was counting, he was counting how much power he has, he has attained up to this point. He's trying to see how strong and how powerful his army actually is because he's been leading the charge for so long. And other people would just be like, he's just taking a census, no big deal. But God knew that in his heart it was prideful. So he is brought to a place of repentance. He acknowledges, God, you know that was sinful of me to count the men in my my army. So I, I need to offer a burnt sacrifice to you. And God says, I won't punish you in the way that you deserve to be punished if you create an altar for me. And oftentimes when you create an altar, you have to purchase a threshing floor. And a threshing floor is this this hard ground and stone area that's created in a circular pattern so that the people who are harvesting the grain can take the grain stalks and they can whip them and, and hit them against this stone or step on them so that the edible parts of the grain can be um, taken from the stalks that are not edible, right? And so God's telling him, I want you to set up an altar so that I, you won't be punished, essentially. And I want you to praise me because I've delivered you even from yourself. And you know what I thought was so interesting about this, because I, I, you know, you always hear this scripture, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. His, his, his servant was saying, let me pay for the threshing floor that you have to 
um, have in order for you to create an altar. And he's saying, I'll do this. But then David says, no, 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 no. I need to sacrifice something in order to create this threshing floor so that I can create this altar. And he's like, I'm not going to offer to God something that costs me nothing. Do you hear what's happening right here? Because when I read that, I was just like, oh, yeah, of course he's not going to do that. And, he, you know, God's being so gracious, and he's going to not punish him for taking the census. He's going to, he's going to like, give him a chance to just give a burnt offering in an altar. But what it got me thinking about is that oftentimes it's at the altar where we learn what kind of worshiper we actually are. Somebody could have provided for David the threshing floor. Somebody could have provided for that, him that. But his heart of worship said, no, I'm going to sacrifice something for that altar. And when I thought about this concept of threshing and taking the grain and beating it up against this hard ground so that you could separate what's edible from not what's edible, it made me think about so often when we're facing difficulties in our lives, we're not facing necessarily this issue of temptation from the enemy or these things where the enemy's attacking us sometimes God is allowing our lives to be threshed and when our lives are up and down and when we're stuck in the ER with a locked jaw and our, our we feel like all oh, the enemies after me I promise you there's always attacks everywhere no matter what but sometimes God allows threshing in our lives and he says, are you going to create an altar where you sacrifice something to get that altar? So are you going to put yourself back on the altar so that I can burn up whatever is so impure and not right so that you can go and do greater things in my name? What are you experiencing today? I believe this week there is a level of threshing in my life. And I guarantee in a room this big and anybody who's watching, there's a threshing in your life as well that God has allowed so that he could be glorified and so that you can once again say, I'm going to offer up a sacrifice of praise. Even though it hurts, even though this is hard, it's because I want to remove what is edible from what is not edible so that when people see my life, they say, taste and see that he is good. I've tasted from that person going through a hard time. I tasted from her when she was in the ER still saying, I've got to keep my mind set on Jesus. I'm not going to freak out about my lot. I'm going to trust him to do whatever he needs to do. And, and then I'm keeping my peace still in the middle of a hardship. You know, when people see that in your life, they're saying, wow, that is good stuff. How can I get it? How can I get that peace? How can I experience what that person is experiencing in the midst of all the hardship that they're experiencing? I'm not giving myself praise. Let me tell you right now. Caleb will tell you. I was a crying mess all week. I was freaking out. I was in a panic. We don't always do the threshing moments great in our lives. But I'm telling you right now, no matter what the threshing look like, looks like, we have an opportunity to give a sacrifice of praise and create, again, on that threshing floor, an altar that gives God and God alone the power, the glory, and the honor. Would you bow your heads in this room? I just want to give you an opportunity to invite God 
in his presence into your heart, into your life, to give you that peace and that joy that we all are looking for. But sometimes it requires sacrificing something first. I don't know what it is that you've been through this week. I don't know what it is that you're going through. I don't know what it is in your life. You may be on a mountaintop. You may be in a valley. But God's saying he is still on the throne. And no matter what, can you please praise me? Right now, in your heart, whatever you, you've experienced, would you just begin to praise him in your heart? Maybe you start to utter out of your lips because we want to give a continual sacrifice of praise and, 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 and it's revealed through the fruit of our lips. If that's something that we need to do right now, I'm going to tell him right now, thank you, God, for delivering me. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for providing for me. Thank you, God, for being my fortress. Thank you, God, for being my deliverer. Thank you, God, for being my refuge. Thank you, God, for being my safety. Thank you, for God, for being my preservation. Come on, thank him right now, even in this room. Would you thank him for who he is? Let's give a sacrifice of praise right now. It's, it's not weird. We just talked about it. We just need to give a sacrifice of praise in this place. Come on, tell him right now what you're thankful for. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my marriage, God. It's been hard, but I'm still going to praise you. Thank you, God, for my kids. It's a challenge, but I say thank you, praise you. Thank you, God, for this church. It's not been for the faint of heart, but I'm going to say praise you. Thank you, God, for the relationships. It's not always been easy, but God, I say praise you. I praise you. I thank you. I thank you that you're still on the throne, that you are in control. Come on. I think people need to just start to declare his goodness and praise him in this place. Thank you, God, for your presence. God, we don't want just an experience. We want an encounter. So, God, we're saying right now, we're choosing right now to thank you for the person that you are, for, the, for not just delivering us, but for being who you are, for being constant, for being steady, for being trustworthy, for being constant, consistent. Thank you for being good. When I'm not good, you're good. When I'm great, you're even better. Thank you, God, for miracles. Thank you, God, for all that you're going to do. We give you a sacrifice of praise right now. So in a room this large, I know that we've been talking about worshiping God, but sometimes if God's not at the throne of your heart, wondering like what am I actually worshiping and so if you're in this room and you listen to this message and you felt like God was saying I want to be on the throne of your heart again I want to give you that peace I want to be in control I want to be in the driver's seat so that you can rest and you can have peace I want to give you that opportunity to put him back on the throne of your heart where he comes first where he's not just the savior of your soul but he's the lord of your life and when he becomes the Lord of your life and you encounter the person of God, everything changes. If you want that opportunity to be in a relationship with a loving father who's your deliverer, your fortress, is that person that you can thank him for all the things we just thanked him for. If you want to accept him into your life, make him the Lord of your life, I'm going to count to three, and that gives you an opportunity to think about it and raise your hand and have with the fruit of your lips say, yes, me. When you lift your hands, would you say, yes, that's me. If, I want, if you want to invite him into your life, if you want to make him the Lord of your life, I want to invite you on the count of three to lift your hand and say, yes, me. One, two, three.
three. Raise your hand. I see those hands. I see those hands. And everybody who raised their hands, would you say, yes, me? Come on. I'm saying, yes, me, with all of you. If there are so many hands in this room, amen. Amen. Come on, everybody, join me and repeat after me in this prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing me here today. I praise you. You are a good God. I accept you in my life. I believe that you love me and you sacrificed for me. You gave your life so that I might have mine and might have it eternally. I confess my need of you. I'm sinful. I need you. So wash me clean. I accept you in my life. So give me the strength to live for you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand in this place? And come on, let's give God praise and thank him for the decisions that were made. Hands lifted up throughout the room. We're going to sing this song one more time, just kind of as an exclamation point on what we heard today, that he is worthy for the sacrifice of praise that we give. Amen? Come on, let's sing this. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.